What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Entrepreneurship is not about making money. It's about solving a complex problem. How do you create the best experience for whatever you're solving for? How do you make sure that your customers or your partners are going to have an undeniable experience using your product or your system or your service? Turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now let's get back to the show. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode and we are here live from Manifest in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I have with me today, Mr. Anthony Petit. He is the former CEO of Truck Park, and he is now acting as a logistics consultant, working with several companies, uh, helping them in many different ways. Anthony, welcome to Truck and Hustle, sir. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Ah, yeah, man. So we're going to have some fun. So we're going to talk about Truck Park. Uh, which is was your company that you founded that you exited uh, last year or two years ago, not too long ago. Um, talk about that journey, right? Obviously, and, and, and truck parking, which is a huge problem, probably like top five problems in the industry right now, if you ask anybody. And then kind of just your journey, your story, and kind of what you're doing right now in the space, all right? So kind of let's be get, let's get started with your, you know, your background. We always want to kind of figure out how entrepreneur got to where he is today right so let's kind of start with you know where are you from man tell us a little bit a little bit about yourself of course yeah i'm from chicago i started this business uh actually truck park in 2016. um how i got there though is when i was eight years old i was uh, actually uh, walking dogs in my neighborhood <laughs> get out and of here. i walked uh about four or five dogs and um I, I you know i started making money i was like 20 dollars a dog for, for these neighbors and uh, started p- combining some cash together. And then I actually opened up a uh, lawn and um, car washing business. Okay. And that, at that time, I was about 12 years old. Okay. So, so you were a real true entrepreneur through and through. You had that like trade, trading baseball card story or one of those things. So any entrepreneurship in your family, was that just kind of who you were in your DNA? Where'd you get that from? Yeah, so my uncle was a he was a uh, teamster driver in the very beginning. Okay, but then he actually throughout his life he became an entrepreneur. So what at do? one point he he owned restaurants, he owned nightclubs. Uh, they actually started the original Flamingo in Miami in the eighties. Oh yeah. Oh cool. So that's kind of how I, I I learned from my uncle. My uncle was a big part of my life. Um, I had I had a dad growing up, I had a mom growing up, but my uncle was like a second father. Got it. And uh, unfortunately, when he passed away in twenty eighteen, it was really difficult. 
but I continue. That's where I really built up Truck Park to to live his legacy. Got it. But to uh, it. to kind of go back to, I mean, I also had a cousin who was in the lending business, and I uh, looked up to him because he's about 15 years older than I am. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs in my family, and that's what created the spark or the entrepreneurial spirit in me. Yeah. Nah, I love that. Okay. So eight years old, got started. You're walking dogs. Tell me about high school, college, kind of get into like your story. Let's speed it up a little bit as get into your adulthood a little bit. Yeah. So I started, um, well, I went to high school actually in Wilmette. I'm from, from Chicago, Chicago land area. Okay. Um, and, and by college, I went to school in Ohio, went to a Bowling Green State University. So great, great school. Um, actually studied entrepreneurship, but today I believe the university systems are a lot more what you call it detailed in entrepreneurship. They, if you want to get into venture capitalism, you can get into venture capitalism. If you want to become an entrepreneur and start up a startup company, they help you get there. But when I went to school and this was about 2009, 2010, they were only talking to me how I could build up like a proprietor shop. Like if I can go start a hardware company or if I can start a lemonade stand. Right. So it wasn't as much right. given to you, but, uh, nevertheless, I, I learned a lot, learned a lot. Um, in the two schools I was at, I was actually at Bowling Green and then had a, a health issue and, and moved to Chicago. And when I was in Chicago, I learned hospitality and tourism, okay. how to speak to people and okay. how to create a better experience. Got it. Got it. So obviously you graduated. Okay. What, what, what next? What happened after that? Graduated. And then I actually started working for my cousin. My cousin, the entrepreneur that I told you about earlier yeah. that I so proudly and wanted to be inspired by, right? Yeah. And absolutely inspired me the whole time. What was he doing at this time? Um, he was owning, he ran a financial lending company and I was actually helping him on the marketing side. So it was search engine optimization. It was PPC campaigns, like trying to get his financial lending company, spread the brand awareness, spread the, the brand to, because financial lending companies are, I don't want to say they're boring, but they're not really marketable. Yeah, yeah, And so yeah. I was the one behind helping him get it to market. How'd you do that? How'd you market that boring business, man? What, what type of tactics did you use? Yeah, that's, you know, I've done a lot. Um, when I say a lot, it's like search engine optimization. How do you create the, uh, how do you get them on Google and then get them in front of people? Because there's millions of people searching every single day about sure. anything, right? You can type in microphone on Google and it shows you all the microphone from Fender to all these different companies. But right. I was basically allowing him to type in his company, which was e-technologies at the time. And then later um, a company called Marlin Financial. And uh, if you typed in, lending companies in Chicago or lending companies in Miami or whatever the location was, because he was all over the country, you would be able to find Marlin Financial would come up to the top. So you're an SEO whiz. Uh, hey, I wouldn't call myself a whiz, <laughs> but I try. <laughs> I mean, if you could get him to rank at the top, then you're pretty good at what you do. I try. Okay. So that was prim like your primary focus was basically getting, getting him on the front page of Google. That's true. And it worked? It worked. And I guess it did great for the business and grew the business? It's great for the business. It helped me uh, learn a whole new, uh, I guess you would call it category of business, right? Because it's marketing is a subcategory. Sales is a subcategory. It all feeds into the business umbrella. Right. So I was, I was allowed to, to be able to experience something a little bit different than what I learned at school. Now I kind of learned it on the street, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I was able to help a company and I was super proud of it. Okay. How long did you stay with, with your cousin? So we stay, I stayed with him for about three years, I want to believe. Okay. After that, I got into recruiting. Okay. I recruited at a uh, consultancy firm that had offices all over the world. Uh, we did a lot of recruiting in, in um, England and um, helped uh, actually Rexnerd Aerospace. So we were 
really primarily focused on aerospace engineering manufacturing okay and uh, filled some very high level roles vps all the way up to their c-level positions got it got it. how'd you how'd you find that uh, opportunity the recruiting opportunity it kind of it, it just something it just fell yeah it fell in my lap it was something that I was interested in i was doing marketing for so long but i wanted it to be more customer facing yeah so and one of the things about marketing is you're behind a desk so you're never really in front of people like we're not interacting like this. Yeah. I'm just behind the scenes. Got I wanted it. to be in front of the scenes. Got it. I wanted got to be it. that person. So that's why I got in recruiting. Okay. So, so, but you still had that entrepreneurial spirit, right? That wasn't your company. You were working for someone else, right? So yeah. obviously the story goes on. So what happens with that, with that company and uh, kind of next, next in the story? Next in the story is I really wanted to... Do what I did when I was eight years old. Do what I did when I was 12 years old. Right. Like I liked being independent. You had the bug. I didn't like, you know, it's, it sounds bad, but I, I didn't like the direction, right? I wasn't a direction <laughs> follower because I am a true entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I want to follow, I want to create my own direction and follow that right. myself. And then, of course, have others follow my direction. And that's kind of what I like to do personally. And that's frankly what entrepreneurs do. So that, um, from the recruiting side, when I was at, actually in this position, I just, there was something, there was a, there was a spark that was missing. And so I had, um, I had talked to my uncle, another entrepreneur that I, um, that was inspired by. And he said, Hey, I'm actually opening up this car, excuse me, truck parking facility in the South side of Chicago. And I need help with the marketing. So I was like, okay, well I can kind of be an entrepreneur, but I can also help him on the marketing side. I can get his business up and running. I can help him, um, hopefully fill truck drivers in the space. And I just didn't know how to do that at the time. I actually didn't come from a transportation background. Right. Um, so I was uh, inclined to learn more about transportation. Got it. Trying to figure it out. Um, jumping in, long story short, I was um, on the marketing side. I helped him build up a website. We spread some brand awareness. And out of 600 spaces that he had there, we filled up 400 in a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So new to new to transportation, brand new industry for you, but you saw an opportunity there, obviously, especially when that business grew the way it did, filling 400 spaces in a year. That's pretty cool. That's a beautiful thing. All right. So obviously now you're probably interested in this truck parking thing, right? Like, you know, like we can do something with this. So what happens next? Interested in truck parking, started learning more about it through my uncle. And I, Wanted to figure out how I can digitize it because I come from a digital world. I come from world marketing, come from world how I take a company like financial lending to the next level. So I loved my uncle's model, but it wasn't scalable. Mm. So I figured out how do I digitize this? How do I make this again more scalable? How do I make it um, more brand ready? How do I how do I get more marketing behind it? So. I actually grew up in an area where Spot Hero, Spot Hero is uh, an app for cars, for car parking, because if you live in Chicago, it's almost impossible to find parking. <laughs> right. And so this app allowed drivers, us drivers, you and me, to find, reserve, and pay for parking on an app. So I looked at the model and said, hmm, I really like it. Plus the CEO actually went to my high school. He okay. was a little bit older than me, but I, I learned a lot about him and I found that out. Okay. So I reached out to the CEO of, of Spot Hero and uh, we had a, a sit down not face-to-face, but um, over a call, like an intercom call. And this is uh, 2015 now. Okay. And uh, it comes to, it came to the point where I was like, wow, I really like the DNA of this, but I want to figure out how I could somehow correlate this with my uncle's business. How can I 
not only just focus on one truck parking facility, but how can I utilize the Spot Hero model and focus on all the truck parking locations? Right. And that's how Truck Park was created. Got it. Got it. Okay. So when you entered into this this idea, you know, um, for creating this marketplace for truck parking, what were some the, the major problems that you saw in the truck parking, you know, space? What, what, what were some of the pain points, some of the issues that you knew you had to first identify and start to work on? There's a lot of barriers to entry, you know, one of them being just never was an entrepreneur. I mean, yes, I was an entrepreneur by spirit, but I never started a business before. Yeah. So, it was just, it, it was a ner- nervous thing. It was a lot of anxiety. I didn't know where to start. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew how to incorporate a company, but I didn't know, like, <laughs> what do you do? What's the next steps? Right. So I just started making phone calls to local truck parking facilities, to um, local drivers, and, and actually wanted to create, like, a survey. So uh, what happened is I eventually sat down with about four or five. This is the very beginning. Now we're at uh, year 2016. Yep. I incorporated the company by then. Um, and we're in January, February, met with about five of these truck drivers. Okay. Legit truck drivers, you know, long haul drivers sat down with me at bottom Starbucks coffee and, and have conversation. Now, they tell quick, me by, by this point, have you like put like your uncle's space on the app? Is there anything have you haven't built the app or anything yet? Right. You're just in discovery phase. Technology does not exist at this. OK, point. Got this it. is early, 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 on. early. OK, like incorporation. Got it. Formalities. And yep. stuff. So I met with these drivers. Drivers had told me, um, you know, all these issues in the truck in the, in the space, transportation, trucking, logistics. And I said, well, what is the, the largest problems that you're facing today? A lot of them said, listen, there is driver detention is one of them. And then the second one is truck parking. I said, okay, well, truck parking is something I want to get into. How, I mean, you're saying it's bad. Does your, the carriers know it's bad? Well, the carriers don't, at this time, 2016 again, carriers overlook this. But all I can tell you that almost every driver in America, this is me speaking in third person, and his name was Tom. And he's like, every driver in America is going to need parking or already needs parking and has been looking for parking for 30 years. This is an ongoing problem that nobody has solved yet. Right. And that's what he told me. And it resonated with me so much. That was music to your ears. And it was music to my ears. <laughs> and I said, I need to create this. I know I need to digitize it. I know I need to build an application. But how in the world am I going to find somebody to build it? Because I'm not a programmer. I'm a marketer. I'm an entrepreneur. But I don't have the skills necessary to do what I need to get, to get do what done. I need to get done. Yeah. Right? So, so what do you do? What's the first steps? Obviously, outside of the formalities and corporation and so forth, you get this information. Like you said, you know, you know what the problem is. You know that you need to solve it. What are the first steps? You don't know where to go from there. What, what do you do first? So I, um, I really didn't know. <laughs> I was just trying to figure it it's out. funny looking step back on, in hindsight, right? Like yep. those origins, origin days. So, yeah, what did what, you do? Talk about it. Step by step. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, this is crazy yeah, but i was I walking <laughs> i was walking with my wife uh actually not even my wife yet she was my um, fiance or even my girlfriend at the time i think she was my girlfriend we were walking um and just to, to tell the audience this is now 17 2016 17 no this was 2018 18 okay so now we're in 2018 okay so a lot of things have gone back and forth with me trying to build a business but technology is not there yet so this is 2018. I'm walking on this block, Deerfield, Illinois, where she grew up. I, I grew up in Wilmette, about 20 minutes north. Um, and we're walking, and we ran this woman. She's walking her dog. She's with her husband. We got to talking. Ends up living on the same block. 
And we go into our house, complete stranger, trying to figure out like, why am I going to this woman's house? But she said, just bought this wonderful home. You got to see it. It was like a Frank Lloyd Wright architecture. It was okay. so strange and weird in there, but it was amazing at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This point of the story is that she said, I am actually an entrepreneur myself. I'm an advisor of a company. I advise this company downtown called Inspire 11. Inspire 11 is this new company that is, is, is essentially building applications and working with companies to build their apps or, or to build, um, offer a technology solution in the companies for startups and growth stage equity companies. Um, and I said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But thinking in my head, I haven't raised any capital yet. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This, is a, th- this could cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. So um, ended 2018, so about six months go back, maybe seven months. I, she got me in a meeting with the CEO, sit down with them, Turns out we actually, um, my cousin went to the same school that his girlfriend did, okay. University of Dayton. They went, both went to college together. Okay. So we had like this immediate kind of like uh, bond. bond together. Yeah. And he had told me, he said, listen, I really, really like what you're trying to do. I think this can be super scalable. Like you're literally the spot hero for trucks. And I want to fund this. And I just sat there in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and my my stomach, like my heart went to my stomach or past my stomach, probably to my legs. And I was just like, okay, well, what does that look like? He's like, well, I want to put together formality. I want to figure this out legally. You know, we want to take a percentage of your company, but we'll give you the half a million. And the half a million will allow us to build your application. It will give us the manpower to build up your application. So you get a solutions architect, you get a systems architect, you'll get a, a brand designer, you'll get a this, this, and that. And I said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> right. And uh, flash forward to six months later than that, we started building up the application. Application, just like anything else, technology always has its uh, ups and downs, but we perfected it and got it to, to market May, 2019. Got it. So Inspire, were they like an incubator? Of sorts, or is this, they're investors. What what are what are they exactly? Yeah, so they they're a technology company. Okay, a, t- a tech through company, and, and, and they, they invest in other tech company tech startups. Is that they what? don't? This they was their first don't. one ever. Got you. Perhaps their second. They didn't confirm that, but this it was like their first one in my eyes. Okay. Um, but they're not uh they're not investors. It's not a venture capitalist firm. Yeah. This is a technology company. They wow. just had an interest because they're Chicago based. They know the space. They know Spot Hero. Spot Hero was a massive win in in our market because again, you couldn't find parking. It's just a regular car operator. You're you're driving around Chicago. You're trying to look for a parking space. You go to a parking garage. You're you're probably going to pay about sixty dollars for twenty minutes. It's just that's the way Chicago is. Right. Um. So when he said, okay, when he learned, I should say, okay, we can actually do this for truck drivers. He was instantly. F- Excited about the opportunity. Yep. So what makes a company like that who has the money for R&D and, and all this stuff, why don't they just take the idea and, and do it themselves? Why, why do they need you? They always need, in my opinion, the entrepreneur because I'm because they can, be, they can build up the business and they're entrepreneurs themselves because this is the CEO and founder. Um, but he, didn't, he wanted to focus on technology. And I think a lot of companies are like, I'm going to focus on what we're good at, our bread and butter. But what we want is we want somebody that can power the engine. It's like you can have a, a Lamborghini, right? But if there's not an engine in there, where's it going? That's right. It's not a Lamborghini anymore. It's not going to go fast. Yeah. It's not going to be that beautiful car that you know it's going to be. 
so you put that engine in there and now you know it's going to go you know 180 miles an hour it's 650 horsepower engine yeah. so that engine is is literally what moves the the vehicle at the end of the day so i was the engine behind behind that and i think frankly that to answer your question that's why he didn't go off and say well i'm just going to do it myself yeah, yeah so they put this team around you um you're still a young entrepreneur you've never done anything like this before how how is that emotionally like have now you have all these people that are working under your leadership to bring this idea to fruition and it's, it's a new space for you right just talk about that transition because you literally like went to like the million dollar baby overnight man Hard transition. Yeah. You know, when they say Rome isn't built overnight, it it almost was, you know, it was like, uh, it was such a, um, a different moment for me. I I couldn't even explain it. All right. And I was, um, again, it's that anxiety, it's that fear. It's like, okay, I got this team now we're building this application. We're going to go to market again. Remember we went to market May, 2019, but, um, I guess that feeling was just, it was, I didn't know what to do. But I knew that there was something behind me. There was, there was, there was power again to that engine, right? Like that engine is ready to go now. It's been placed in the car, and we're ready to build it. Um, so it was just a, it was a super exciting moment for me. Yeah. But again, uh, also a moment of anxiety. For sure. And so, and and you get all this new responsibility now. And 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 what is your responsibility to that investor just so people understand that right when they kind of enter in these kind of deals and you could maybe speak as much as you can to your specific deal because it may be different from others but like what was your responsibility to them and then what was their responsibility to you what was that agreement yeah uh well (laughs) you have to as the entrepreneur you have to make sure that you're following a guideline right it's almost like a list for the invest the investor they want to know you know when when are they going to get their money back how how um, scalable this company is going to be? Like how okay? Can you take this company to you know five hundred million in the next ten years? And it, it's like almost you're you're reporting to like a parents, right? Like mom and dad, <laughs> right. right? It's 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 one of those things where it's you want to be obedient because if you disobey, they can take that away from you at any time. Um, but for me, it was it was like okay, I gotta figure out a way that I'm going to market this, I'm gonna scale this, and we're gonna get to that 500 million dollars so that everybody's happy and everybody's gonna win. Yeah. So, what were the key things in in the beginning with that? What'd you do with that half a million to get started? Like, what were the where'd, where'd you put it? Where'd you allocate those resources to get to that number that you wanted to get to, or that everybody needed you to get to? So we actually brought on a, a really good advisory team. Um, because again, I was at the time, uh, 2019, I was 20, 26 years old. Um, <laughs> and so 26, 27, actually, I didn't know, really know how to allocate. Again, it's my first business. So right. was, where do I allocate funds? Um, how do I, how do I make sure that I'm taking this half a million dollars and we're going to build an application. The company's going to build it for us because they're kind of utilizing their own cash, but it was like cash and equity type of deal. So we're also going to put the dollars and put in marketing. I'm going to put in finance and put in operations. And um, it's kind of like you build as you go, right? So there's just a lot of interesting components into all of this. And I started to um, really start allocating my dollars into marketing because that's something I really knew how to do. I was super interested in it. And um, it allowed me to, to go above and beyond what I know how to do. And one of the, the marketing, I guess, initiatives or strategies was to start going to these truck stops and just mm. talking to drivers mm. and, and buying them coffee. So I knew it was like, again, maybe it's not 
$100,000, maybe it's $5 or $10 to do, um, you know, coffee and, and, and buy them a lunch. But it was something that I could go out and I could start passionately talking to drivers. And again, it goes back to my uncle being a Teamster driver. It goes back to that, um, how do I really help drivers have a better experience on the road? Right. And, and when they go park at night. Yeah. And so that's where we started allocating those funds to. What was the actual business model, right? Like, are, are you saying, okay, we're going to reach out with, for, to people with parking spaces. We're going to get them all in this network. What's the business model for truck park? And, and what's like in, initially, and then what it kind of grow into, what it become? Yeah. So initially, well, we needed, okay. So there's um, part of building up a marketplace, essentially truck park was. It's an application, but it's also a marketplace. You, there's two sides of a marketplace. There's supply and there's demand. On the supply side, you have your private truck parking locations. Um, when I say private, it's we didn't want to go after the public ones. We didn't want to go after Loves, TA Petro, Pilot. We did have conversations very early on with Pilot because we were thinking like, hmm, how could we scale overnight? Right. But it's sort of learning that, and no offense to <laughs> the, the truck stops, it just wasn't, they're more focused on fuel and categorical items within their convenience stores, not focused on parking. Right. So we wanted to focus on parking. That's where they make their money, right? That's how they make their money. Yeah. The, the, the um, public truck stops. Yeah. The private truck stops are all dedicated to truck parking. Yeah. So we went after all the private locations. But in the very beginning, we went after ones and twosies. We're just like, hmm, who can we get? So I started asking my uncle, your truck parking location. That goes back to your first question. Did I put my uncle's uh, parking location on my app? And I said, 100%. So yeah. he was number one. Number two, he had a guy that was like somewhere else in Chicago, and we put him on another person. Eventually, we had about probably about eight or nine locations. This was, um, I want to say, October 2019. So again, we, we went to market, go to market 2019 of May. Um, 2019 of October, November, we're at about eight to nine truck parking locations. Got it. And so you you guys are literally just like beating your feet, cold calling different locations saying, hey, yep. we have this new app. It's going to get, get you business. Yep. Right. And then how do you guys make money? So we, we were a brokerage model. We're like Uber. And what Uber did is Uber took 30%. We said, well, 30% could be kind of gouging. So we'll take 25% of um, the space. So we call it uh, space days. So it's calculated mathematically into 365 space days because that's how many days there are typically in a year, 365, 366. And we would say, okay, well, the cost per space varied based on location. Yeah. So every location might have been $15 overnight or $20 an over, overnight, uh, $90 overnight in like Newark, New Jersey where parking was very scarce. Yeah. And we would take 25%. That was our model. Okay. Got you. And this is like on a per transaction basis, right? So all transaction a carrier or a driver would book the space that day or whatever the case may be. And then that transaction, you get a piece of that yes. uh, 25%. Was your, 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 what were, who was your typical customer? That and, and like, if you look at your avatar for your company, who like who, what type of carriers did you guys most frequently um, kind of service? So we worked with a lot of drivers, independent drivers, independent owner operator drivers. So six trucks or fewer, which is tech, technically not even technically, statistically ninety four percent of the market for sure. <clears throat> we did work with the six percent, which was you know the large carriers, but that was until later. The early on, we're working with the independent drivers. They would download our app. They would um, go ahead and, and choose a location that was nearest their distribution center or wherever they were going to go drop off a load. Then they would book that spot in real time on our application. So find, reserve, and pay. So the next thing was the pay. The drivers would pay us. 
we'd hold the cash for about 30 days. We'd take that cash and then we would pay our parking facilities. Mm. Remember, we would take, um, in terms of unit economics, we were taking 25%. Okay, okay. Now, as you grow, um, I'm, I'm guessing you had to probably put more money into this into this or are you still getting funding from the same place or are you looking for outside investors at this point how does that work to start scaling so inspire 11 um they wanted to to incentivize us when i should say it was myself and then actually had a a partner eventually come on board um and his name's joshua walls but um, shout to him awesome guy (laughs) awesome guy um and and when he came on board then Inspire 11 allocated us an extra, um, I think it's fifty dollars to $100,000 just so we can be in, you know, incentivized to keep going because, right. you know, it's just a lot. Right. And you can't, at 27 years old, meeting my future wife, she was like, you know, at this point we were kind of knowing that we were going to get married. It was like one of those things, you know when you know. Yeah. And she's like, you, you, you got to either get a job or we got to get, you know, figure this out. Right. right. Um, so they gave us money to, to be sustainable. Um, and then we also started raising additional capital. So yeah. to answer your question, at one point, I think, uh, we raised about, um, 700, $700, $800,000 in total. Okay. Um, but we were taking, uh, individual checks. So angel investors would come in. We had an advisor sit on his board, our board, excuse me. His name was Leo Moss. He's one of the most instrumental players in our business. And um, I think he, he eventually he invested twice in the business because he saw growth. I think he invested anywhere between, again, fifty and 75000 In any case, he was more instrumental in the advisement side. Got he it. owned his own logistics company, still does today. Okay. Talk about that because I think a lot of, a lot of times when, from the outside looking in, people see you know different tech startups and people in the space and they're getting like these valuations and they're getting all this money and they think like, you're like filthy rich, right? You got money, <laughs> you got money just falling out your pockets. Yep. Like, what's the reality of that grind, right? Because, like you said, your wife was saying you got to get a job, <laughs> right? But on paper, people are looking at you like, man, you got a bunch of money, man. You yep. got half a million, right? Yep. Like, talk about the reality, what that grind is, like, and that, how that was for you personally. Well, first of all, the money is not yours; it's the company's. So there's not money necessarily, and and of course, this comes off either the right way or the wrong way, and. And any business doesn't have to be transportation in any category. But um, when you have a valuation in your company, it's based on the multiple of what the market's going to say. So if you're a transportation company and it could be like Zoom, right, in your digital freight marketplace, the multiple is going to be anywhere between 2 to 5x. So if you're producing you know, 50 million revenue, you're anywhere between 100 million and 500 million. Um, but again, that's just the valuation of your company. That's future, right? So that's what you could potentially be acquired for, or if you go IPO, you can figure out, you know, mathematically what, you know, your fair market value is. Right. Um, but again, that's not your money yet. (laughs) So when these entrepreneurs say, and I always thought that way too, I'm not pushing any blame on anybody, but a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'm like almost filthy rich. Or people believe that, oh my gosh, you're filthy rich. It's really not true because you're not filthy rich until you actually make your acquisition. (laughs) Then you could be filthy rich or, you know, maybe just walked away kind of nice and, you know, you're ready to go and do your next gig. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So at, at its peak, where do you guys kind of build uh, Truck Park to, you know, prior to your exit and so forth? What's like the peak of where you kind of got the company to in terms of like how many people are on the network and so forth? So at one point we had about 15,000 users. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't every single day that yeah. they were booking tr- truck parking. Yeah. It was a transactional model. So you'd think every single day they would. Yeah. It was more on demand or pay as you go or um, 
booking in advance for the driver. So sometimes they didn't use it because these are long haul drivers. Sometimes they're like, hey, I'm a distribution center. My distribution center or shipper is allowing me to park there. That's okay, right? Or other times like, okay, and now I'm over the road again. I'm making this haul from Chicago to Kansas City. I really need somewhere to park. Then they would use our app. Yeah. So it was kind of uh, maybe a spur in the moment type of, of opportunity. Did you guys get to your revenue goals? We did get to our revenue goals. Um, what was interesting is before we got acquired, we were starting to be approached by the, the big retailers, Macy's, Nordstrom's, um, Big Lots. They really? needed us to not only park semi-trailers, but combo units, which is a domestic trailer followed by a container on a chassis. Right. And so that was what opened my partner and I's eyes. We're like, oh my gosh, there's so much opportunity in right. the container it's, space. Yeah. Containers are, I mean, trucks are great. I mean, because we're solving such a big problem. For me, it's solving, again, it goes back to my uncle, it's solving a problem. How do we create a better experience for the drivers? The container space it was, it was a, a massive and, and lucrative opportunity because these containers are like, well, once the truck driver drops them off, they're just there. It's not a truck driver that needs to be in a safe, secure location, sleeping in his cab. It's a container that has no human presence at all, just right. sitting there, right. you know, posted up. And um, the containers started generating us a ton of revenue. Um, and then that probably led to our acquisition because it was just, <laughs> it was it was a lot of revenue on the table. You know, we were seeing about, I think at, um, I can't, I don't want to name anybody, but one yeah. of the the largest um, retailers had, had, um, had utilized us and, and we were parking about 300 of their containers every oh, single wow. month. I think it was, it was averaging about 75,000 a month oh, just wow. in one customer. Did you guys ever start acquiring your own spaces like uh, real estate or were you just always using just in the network? We thought about it. It's a, it's very expensive to be an operator. Depends on geographic location. So that wasn't um, a part of the model. Yeah, that wasn't, it was problematic, but it wasn't uh, part of our solution. Yeah. We were the broker, we were the middleman. We wanted just to go out and, and, and to um, acquire, but in a different way. It was an acquisition or land acquisition. It was more acquire contracts with these private operators. Yeah, got it. Got to stay in your lane, right? Do what yes. you guys do best. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what does exit look like? Tell me about that, that process. Exit is, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember because we had so many moving parts. We, um, we, we were approached by Rand McNally, the maps company. Man. So remember Rand? Rand? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like, so I, I remember. That's old school. That's yeah, old man. school. For sure. I mean, I, I mean, I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. but I do remember driving my parents and my, my take dad out would the take this big map out. <laughs> right. He'd be looking, he'd be like, okay. And you're like, okay, this is Chicago and there are all these streets and trains and like right. all these like, how in the world are you going to find streets? Exactly. Ex thing, it's right? Especially now, like we're used to just jumping on a cell phone, right? Exactly. Can't imagine how somebody used a map back Unbelievable. But yeah. So that company had digitized and, and wanted to integrate with us originally, but then we're like, hey, maybe we start talking to, to Chuck Park about potentially buying. Um, that didn't work out, uh, but we, we went through a, probably about three or four different private equity companies that were interested as well. Private equity didn't feel right because they're not really in transportation. They buy companies. They build them up and they sell them again. For me, it was like, that's great. I'd love to take the <clears throat> second bite of the apple, but how do I really, how do I, when I sell my baby, it's better to go in the right mama's hands. <laughs> that's right? right. That's, that's right. what I'm saying. So that's right. um, we met a company called Relay Payments and uh, we were going to do a partnership with them. And now this, um, and, and timeline, this was um, 
Sorry, everything blends together. But <laughs> this in timeline was the beginning of 2021. Okay. And we started talking with them and, and the founder said, you know what, we really believe that this is going to be a good business for us because we are in the lumper space, right? We Relay payments is, is uh, payments for lumpers. Yep. So lumpers in the warehouses. And they said, well, how do we get into maintenance? How do we get into fuel? How do we get into truck parking? For sure. So to buy truck park, to acquire truck park in all of our contracts was the way for them to get in that space. Okay. And so that's that's what they did. That was September of 2021 is when we got acquired. Okay. Got it. Emotional day for you? That that acquisition? Like, how'd that feel once you had to give the baby up for adoption? <sighs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough space. It's, yeah. a, it's a tough time. Seller's remorse at all? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's a feeling where you've been holding this baby for so long, you've been nurturing it, been taking care of it, and now you're you're about to give it away. And it's it's almost like, okay, well, are you going to take care of my baby? Are you right. going to make sure that my baby's going to grow up and be a, you know, a man or a strong man or a strong woman, right? So, that's a um it was tough, but I can tell you that um when the transaction was done, it was also a relief yeah. because there's so much going into these acquisitions, so much paperwork and and time and Remember going back when I told you I, I 26, this is uh, 2016, I didn't know how to um, really build a company. So looking back at it, and I can tell this for all um, upcoming entrepreneurs, is that you really want to gotta hire a good attorney and put the, all those formalities together the right way. So we had a lot of, of missing formalities and I had to go back and forth and hire several attorneys during my acquisition process that actually, I don't know if it slowed it down, but it causes so much stress. So again, going back to my point where once it was all done, it was a big relief. Got it. How long did the due diligence take? It was from April or maybe March or April of 21 to September. Okay. Like six months? Was that? Six, seven months. Six, yeah. seven months. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you get acquired. Do they have you? Uh, do they keep you on as like a consultant at that time? And how, how does the acquisition work? It works in. Uh, there's many variables in uh, acquisition or M and A strategies. Um, I think you know some of them could be uh, the opportunity for somebody to come on full time, somebody to come on as a consultant, somebody to um, walk away completely, just yeah. say goodbye, we're good. <laughs> right. Um, for us, it was it was a cash uh, cash deal, but also equity. Okay. So it was uh, transitional for us. So we also we had to go to relay payments and uh, my partner and I at the time to help them transition, to help them understand what is truck parking, how truck parking works, all the contracts over, who, who's who, and um, how are we going to pick up from where you left off? Yeah. And how are we going to take your 15,000 users and essentially put them into our our batch of products or whatever that are related to truck parking and eventually they came out with their own product um but that's the, that's the transitional phase it's it's like taking two new hires and bringing them into this company but it's not like hey we're going to train you on who relay is you right. train us on who truck park is right right is it public how much you guys exited for is it what i'm sorry is it public are you public? share the numbers so we didn't we didn't go public um they're not public. It's a pri it was a private transaction. Okay, I was asking if you share the numbers, so you can't really share what the acquisition was for. Oh, how much it was for? How much it was for? Yeah, um, you know, people like numbers, man. They want to know. They want to know how much <laughs> money you made, man. <laughs> right. Um, if you're able to, or, or you could say roundabouts or whatever. Okay, sure. Um, it was a high set seven figure exit. Okay. Okay. Amazing. So for you, after after that's done, um, 
you get into consulting and then you start working with several other companies. So mm -hmm. tell us about, about that, what you're doing now, what you have going on. So, um, advising a company called torch, which, uh, was on my badge or why I'm here today yeah. advising them. Um, they're our digital short haul 3PL. And then I am also, uh, working for consulting, advising a company called zoom transportation, uh, also invested in them actually last okay. week. So, okay. Big nice, nice. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Um, because I believe in their model. And I, I, I love every single member on that team. They're just so amazing. You want to talk about um, what they do real quick just so people... Yeah. So they're actually... <laughs> so Torch is digital short haul 3PL and Zoom is digital long haul 3PL. Okay. So you're so. covering all your bases, man. You're going to win one way or another. Digital freight marketplace, <laughs> right? Right. But... You know, to if I have a, a minute here, Zoom, yeah. what they do is they're, they're they're amazing. They're digital freight marketplace. Okay, that's where the, the 3PL comes in. Um, then they're also a uh, marketplace SaaS. So software as a, a service, right? They have literally created um, software like a shipper TMS, a broker TMS, and a carrier app that feeds into the carrier TMS. Um, the broker TMS is unbelievable. It allows traditional freight brokerages, right? Like a, a BNSF Logistics or a Neon Logistics to become from paper to Excel spreadsheets and digitize overnight. So when I say overnight, it's not, you know, 24 seven or 24, 24 hours, but it's, um, it's within about six months. We give them the tools necessary to run their entire freight brokerage. Mm. We give them, you know, digital documentation, uploading, bill laden uploading. Um, you can, once you upload a bill laden, you got to sign it, right? The carrier's got to sign it. Well, we have digital, um, or digital DocuSign. We proprietary digital DocuSign. So you don't oh, have nice. to use yeah. a DocuSign or a Hello Sign. You could just use whatever's in the platform. So we create all these tools necessary. You never have to leave the, the, the platform because we have created through all market segments, the, the shippers to the carriers. Shippers want to find qualified carriers to run their shipments, right? To move the loads or freight. And brokers are essentially coming in to uh, be a broker between both the shipper and the carrier. And we'll, we deal, well, Zoom deals with everything end to end across the entire supply chain in one platform. Okay. These opportunities, did you look for them or did they kind of find you? Um, These advisory so roles. Zoom's interesting because uh, I knew Mustafa. Mustafa is easy. He's here, actually here today at Manifest. He's the CEO and founder. Uh, he has a, a great uh, co-founder. His name is uh, Matt. And I want to try to say his name. He's Persian. Tabat Tabai. I hope that's right. Well, I'm Sound on here because he's right. going to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they've built up this amazing product. They're, they're both uh, former entrepreneurs. Mustafa's here today. He's a former JB Hunt um, a member. And um, he, he's, just, he's just built up this incredible um, platform. But how we got connected is actually when Truck Park, when I was at Truck Park, when we were building it, we're going to integrate with Zoom. This is back in 2019. And Mustafa and I really clicked. And um, when I had sold my business, actually day one, the, the first day I sold my business, he had reached out and saying, hey, you're coming to work for me. We're going to do this together. <laughs> you know, we're going to build this thing out. We're going to sell it for a billion plus. Right. We're going to have fun. Right. And I was like, you know, I got to do this transition, but I will give you a call if either it doesn't work out or when it, my contract is done with, the, with uh, relay payments. And so when that was all uh, commenced, or commenced and then so uh, terminated, year. right? Uh, about a year. Yep. Um, I had called Mustafa and I said, listen, like, I'm ready to go. Like, let's do it. Let's go yeah, build this yeah. company to a billion and nice. sell it. <laughs> nice. and, um, and so, yeah. So Zoom is great opportunity. Uh, Torch is another company that I'm advising for and want to help them sell that to a yeah. billion. Hey, I can get two, you know, more billion dollar exits. That'd be amazing. Um, and then uh, uh, also... 
helping a company called ProChain Ventures out of St. Louis. And they are um, focusing really on pre-seed, seed, and then Series A companies in supply chain. I'll focus on that side. So okay, it's incredible. A lot nice. Of good stuff. That's 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 amazing, man. So you know, being an idea guy, entrepreneur, are there any opportunities that you see that in the space that you know somebody could come and probably solve any problems that you've identified? Because obviously, you're a problem solver, and you work with all these companies. What do you see out there? I mean, we're in Manifest right now. We see a bunch of people with a ton of solutions, right? So right. what do you see? What, what are some problems that you see in the space or areas of opportunity that somebody looking at, looking right now, could, you could say, hey, why don't you work on that? That would be cool, right? If somebody did something with that. Think about something like that for me. Man, there's so many good ones too, um, especially here at Manifest. Yeah. Like walking around the the conference center, I've seen so many good products. And some of them are in their later stage some of them are very, very new, right? Like uh, pre-seed companies. And I've seen a lot of great ones. Like I could say to, uh, Driver is a company I ran into and okay. they're doing, they're taking the model uh, that Amazon actually came out with a couple months ago. It's like, how do you compensate um, delivery drivers? Because they're doing a lot of work. They're taking your packages, they're moving it from warehouse to your front lawn. And so um, they came up with an application where they can literally, um, and I'm probably not saying it the right way, but I'm trying my best here. <laughs> right. They can literally easy. become like a tipping, uh, a tipping service, digital tipping service. Okay. And they get tip, uh, on demand delivery drivers. They can tip, uh, tow truck drivers. They can tip, uh, uh like the white glove, white glove delivery services. Like if they're moving furniture in your house, you usually tip those, right? Yeah, because that's they're pretty cool. I heavy. like that. So that's just to answer your question. Like one of the, uh, technology companies I've seen even here at the event, that is just that sits at sits really well with me. Yeah, no, nah, I love that, man. Cool, great idea, man. I, I, there's so many like small problems that can be solved in logistics that yep. it's like never ending. Mm -hmm. So what what's the next three to five years look like for Mr. Anthony Petit? <laughs> what, what you got on your mind? Yeah, well, you know, I I get a lot of tangled carrots. A lot of people come to me and they want to talk about like truck parking, for example. When I'm also in a non-compete until um, of, of April or May of this year, so I can't really do too much on the truck parking side. But um, I have a lot of interest in transportation. It's a space that I want to stay in, especially living my my uncle's legacy. You know, being a teamster driver. Like, what else can I solve? Is it there's other things? So um, I don't have anything yet. But I will be going back to market in the next three to five years. For sure. I love it, man. This conversation has been pretty cool, man. Uh, it, was, it was definitely great getting to learn more about you, learn more about Truck Park and just that that journey. You know, and I appreciate your transparency, just really sharing with us. And, um, you know, I wish you luck on your current ventures and everything that you have planned for the future. So, um, yeah, before we go, it's customary that we always have our guests do a final thought, which is something entrepreneurial, something spiritual, wherever you want to come from. But just a last jewel that you want to leave on the audience, something they'll remember you by, something that they'll repeat. They'll say, hey, Anthony told me this. Let's leave them with that. And then we got to let them know where they can connect with you and learn more about yourself and everything that you're working on. So yep. let's start with where they can connect with you and then you can part with the final thought. Of course. So they can connect with me. Um, they can go ahead and, and message me personally. Um, they can either connect with me on LinkedIn. They could um, go ahead and email me. So I'll, I'll go out, go ahead and actually give my email out. A-N-P-E-T-I-T-T-E-3-0 -E at gmail.com. They can go ahead and just and email me there. If it's um, Torch related, go ahead and on the personal email is just fine. If it's Zoom related, it's A-P-E-T-I-T-T-E -T -T -E at zoomapp.com. 
You're a civilian now. You got the Gmail back, huh? Look at that. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, that final thought. Let's, let's hear it, man. Final thought. Final thought. Putting you on the spot. That's, that's good. I like to be on the spot. There um, we go. I would say to young entrepreneurs that entrepreneurship is not about making money. It's about solving a complex problem. How do you create the best experience for whatever you're solving for? How do you make sure that your customers or your partners are going to have uh, an undeniable experience using your product or your system or your service? It's not about making millions of dollars. It's about solving a solution, something that either nobody has solved for or you're picking back a solution and making it even better. I love that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Hustle fam, if you smell something burning, it is only a desire. This has been another amazing episode myself. Mr. Anthony Petit, we are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go!